Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Raptor Queens podcast, the first ever all-woman podcast covering the Toronto Raptors. My name is Sarah Khalil, and I'm here with my other queen of the North, Allison Hope. Hi, Allison. Hey, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Yes. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We have another full week of Raptors basketball to cover. The Raptors played four games over the past week, going two and two with wins against the Knicks and the Wizards on the road as part of a five-game winning streak, currently undefeated on the road, before coming back home and dropping two in a row against the Cavaliers and the Nets. Big news, Pascal Siakam returned to action in the game against the Nets. Yay! Yes. In other big news, we can cheer this one too, OG Ananobi went off for a career high against the Knicks. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Good. (laughs) And Scotty Barnes faced up against Evan Mobley in the rookie of the year matchup against the Cavaliers. Uh, The Cavaliers are extremely tall. That's my biggest takeaway from that game. All right. So we're going to cover all these games. We're going to dole out our weekly King of the North and court jester awards. And we're going to reverse what we did last week. And Allison is going to put me in the hot seat with some rapid fire questions. So we'll see what happens because I don't even know what to expect from her. All right. (laughs) Let's start with some game coverage. Allison, what do you think of the Knicks game? This was a game that I did not take notes for, but I'll say I think the Raptors probably played their best quarter of ball to date this season. The composure that they showed on the road, um, that was really a thing of beauty. So I have no notes to go on, but I, that was not a game I expected they would win, but wow, what a game. Yeah, that game was fantastic. Uh, so the Raptors won 113 to 104. Um, they, they didn't start out hot. Knicks took an early lead in this game. And actually RJ Barrett went off for like 19 points in the first quarter. Like he was on fire um, but then he was only held to 27 points for the rest of the game total, not 27 new points. So a total of 27 points for the game, which was definitely um, due to the adjustments that were made. And OG Ananobi just had an absolute all-star performance. And he actually got a whole bunch of kudos. I don't know if you saw that American media was like speaking about him like a superstar. And it was amazing. What a revelation. I know. And they were saying things like OG was... And you can, you can see with your own eyes that every way that he scored was different. So some of them would be a sidestep three or a pull-up three or just the catch and shoot three. So that's great. But then there was also taking people off the dribble, going in for the dunk. And then he was dishing out assists. Like he, he just had such a phenomenal game. It was really, to me, I think it was what we all saw was possible for OG. It was like his yeah. breakout game. Like every tool he had on full display and that step back jumper, man, that's a hard shot. And he just looks so graceful and like he was born to do that. Like just beautiful. Yeah. And like muscling in as well. Like he didn't just settle for jump shots. He was using his strength, getting, getting to the basket, out competing and out bodying his defenders. And he didn't sacrifice anything on defense either. So for me, for me, the next game was the OG spectacle game yeah that was it was a thing of beauty for sure 
Yeah. Um, other things about that game, which may be interesting, Gary Trent Jr. had 26 points and he just has been, you know, I'm going to just say this before we even get into the other games. Gary Trent Jr. absolutely made his case that he cannot be taken out of the starting lineup. That's what that's what I got from this week's games, the way the way he plays defense, his sniper offense. I mean, even though his shot selection is sometimes he chooses the most contested shots, he's on balance when he takes most of them and actually hits a lot of them. So I'm, I'm a big GTJ fan. It's really unfair to trade, to compare players who were traded for each other. But I think even given the, the age difference that Gary Trent is a better player at this point than Norm was at that point in his career. So I think, I, I know some people weren't happy about the trade to start with, but Norm expiring asset, he was going to get paid. Um, this certainly looks like a good move. Um, I think Gary Trent Jr.'s trajectory is is not straight up, but it's rising sharply. Yeah, I, I mean, he was outstanding on defense, set a career high in steals, or maybe tied his career high in steals with six against the Cavs. He was I excellent. Was- I know I was trying to look up and see what the record is for the most steals by a Raptor. And I, I couldn't find that anywhere. That's got to be up there. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary. That's the most I remember. Yeah. I, I, he's just been phenomenal. Okay. So a little bit, a little bit of a digression from the game, but I, I am just so impressed with Gary Trent Jr. And I love him on the starting lineup. Um, all right. So uh, another interesting thing about this game for New York and the Wizards, Scotty Barnes was out with a with his thumb injury, and so the starting lineup we put Speed in his place. What did you think of that choice? We got a lot of jump from him. Um, he looked very composed, and it's taken me. I'm still trying to learn his game. He does everything fast, and sometimes that results in mistakes but he just plays at such a tempo. And I think that's just his game. Um, It it takes a little bit of getting, for me to get used to watching that, just the speed that he plays at. But he has a lot of really well-rounded skills also. I was a bit disappointed in him today, but I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. He was a nice spark plug. Yeah. Um, at, le- at least for the game against New York and the game against the Wizards, I did really like the way that it spaced the floor. He he is a very good shooter. Um, and what I the other thing I like about him is he doesn't shy away from physical contact. He's a very physical player. Um, so yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by how that by how that lineup worked together. And maybe, well, we'll get into this after. I was going to jump forward to today, but okay. that's okay. Okay, well, let, well we're, we're clearly ready to move on a little bit. So yeah. let's move on to the Wizards then. Um, in this game, uh, just basic stats, Fred Van Vliet, 33 points, big game for him. Ojean and Obi, 21. Um, and Svi and JTG both added, GTJ, sorry, <laughs> both added 15. Uh, what, do you, what was your thoughts on this game? Well, it was very nice to see Precious Achua get the start, given the difficulties that he's had to this point in the year, difficulties finishing, sort of difficulties with shot selection. Um, It it was kind of a nice vote of confidence by Nick Nurse to put him in the starting lineup. Um, And just to start the game, he had an excellent roll to the rim um, on a lob from Fred. And then uh, shortly after that, he nailed a couple of free throws and just... uh, 
side note, Bradley Beal just showed his blinding speed on a drive to the rim and just what makes him such a special player. Um, they were trading baskets a lot in the first quarter. And then Banton came in and kind of settled them down um, after a couple of empty trips to the, uh, to the rim. And at the end of the first quarter, it was 29-29. And these teams looked super well-matched, not like game one in Toronto. Um, some really nice ball movement. And in the second quarter, uh, nice steal by OG to start. And then Banton's length and his ball pressure on that possession definitely contributed to the turnover. We had some excellent defensive sequences in that second quarter. And at one point, Chris Boucher pulled down a one-handed defensive rebound, which that just amazes me. Um, the Raptors went on an 11-2 run in the second, and there were consecutive steals. Um, at one point, um, Brad Beal, um, there was a mismatch on Fred, and no one came over to help Fred. So Beal just rose up over him and shot. It was 59-48 uh, at the half. Um, the Raptors only had six turnovers in that first half. They really took good care of the ball, seven steals, uh, 50% from three. Uh, we were even with them on the boards and we held the Wizards to 19 second quarter points. In the third, the Raptors started th that quarter just working their tails off. They were swarming on defense. They were helping. Um, Beal was getting a lot of his shots in the mid range. And I think the Raptors were probably happy to let him shoot contested 12 foot jump shots all night from there. Um, and I did make note of a really nice assist by OG. And that's also a developing part of his game, his ability to make the pass. He's had some gorgeous pocket passes in the, in like in the crowded paint. So he's really come a long way there. Um, sort of Washington went on a 15 to four run. Boucher saw a little bit of time. Um, Kuzma went out in the third quarter and then Precious had an absolute monster slam. And I couldn't really decide what was better, that slam or the look on Ken Birch's face on the bench. It was, it was great. And then it was 86-77 at the half. There were some odd calls. And half um, at the end of the third quarter, 86-77 third quarter. Yes. Did I say okay. second? Yeah, I thought that seemed like a high score for only the half, so. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. No um, and then OG had two buzzer beaters at the end of the shot clock in that fourth quarter, just looking very calm, very composed. Um, Ken Birch came in and gave us a couple of nice push shots. The Raptors went on a little bit of a scoring drought, but ended up pulling out that game. So this was a big contrast from the first Washington game. Um, and kind of telling that they won it on the road, which I, I'm sure we'll get to a little bit more later. Well, I mean, yeah, this, this was the fifth game of a five-game win streak, and the Raptors finished their road trip um, with a perfect record, and they're currently 4-0 on the road. What do you think about that? That's interesting. I, I did make note of that, and it looks like th that's, that's a complicated question. I wonder, one of my friends had a kind of a flippant answer. She said, well, you know, they played the last two years on the road. Maybe they're not used to playing at home. Well, I, I'm sure that's not it, but um, I, I was of the mind that a young team is going to have difficulty playing on the road uh, just with composure and playing in front of a hostile um, 
fan base. That I was wrong about that. That's clearly not the case. And I looked back at our shooting uh, at home and on the road, and we've had a couple of games just dismal shooting at home. Um, uh, the Boston, no, sorry. Uh, one of the games I didn't take note of who it was, 23% from three at home, 20% from three from at home. And then a couple of games on the road, 42, 40%. Um, we did have one game at home, 46%, but we seem to have shooting woes at home. And in my mind, the, the third quarter seems to be our undoing. Uh, today, well, again, getting ahead of myself, and then in the Dallas game, um, you know, we played a, a really good first half. We were solidly in contention in that game. And then in the third quarter, just lost our composure. And uh, yeah, that's a, a very, uh, probably a multifaceted problem. I don't quite know what to make of that. Interesting. Well, thanks. Thanks for looking up that shooting disparity and uh, giving giving our listeners something to chew on. I'm I'm curious about uh, about that as well. I, I mean, the confines of home should be a friendly place, right? Like it's just it's counterintuitive, and I expect that that's going to change. But maybe they're feeling the burden of pressure, like expectation. I don't know. Whereas there's none of that on the road, and maybe they couldn't even articulate it. I don't know. That's Good question. Yeah. It, could, it could just average out over time. We'll see if that trend continues, but um, all right. Well, th thanks for pulling that up. Okay. So then let's, let's move on to the next two games then Cavaliers and uh, the Nets both losses. Cavaliers was a very competitive game. Raptors were leading the entire game until there were 4.5 seconds left. And then the Cavs went up with a pair of free throws by one point. Um, OG uh, was play was drawn up for OG to take the game winning shot missed the shot scotty barnes was there for the tip-in but just missed the tip-in uh so yeah the raptors disappointing loss with by only one point um really talented and competitive cavalier team that was one of the takeaways i got and uh yeah allison what did you think of that game that game was there for the taking and once again good first half the raptors were in it but they never seemed to be able to put cleveland away like they weren't able to assert uh, their dominance and it, it just felt like they weren't able to play their brand of ball and Cleveland was just hanging around. And um, <laughs> for our listeners, Sarah and I had a bit of a back and forth um, and I, I was not feeling positive about that game. And um, yeah, it was, I was very disappointed. Uh, but I, I think perhaps I didn't give full credit to Cleveland because Cleveland beat the Knicks today. So, you know, maybe they're a better team than I thought they were. Oh, I mean, so, so one of the things that was the most surprising to me out of that, in that game is it, at least to, to the eye test, it seemed like the Raptors couldn't or didn't make adjustments for the, uh, just like interior scoring that the Cavaliers had um, lots of lob passes, lots of just under the basket, easy baskets for the Cavaliers. And I kept waiting for the defensive adjustment to show up so that that would stop. And I didn't see it. 
So I'm not sure if that was, you know, like something missed or just unable to be executed in the context of a single game, but it got me thinking if this was a playoff series, what adjustments, what defensive adjustments would the Raptors be making to um, stop that interior scoring? But I don't think we have an answer for Jared Allen. I, I mean, realistically, he's he's very long. Um, he's more of a true center than either Precious Achua or yeah. Kem Birch. So I I don't know that we have an answer to that. And you can and then, right. And I think that's what part of what makes the Cavs a really interesting team this year. Yeah, he was that was a great acquisition by them. And then their three and point Evan shooting is really good. Pardon me. Evan Mobley is really good. Yes. Yes. We, Masai probably would have taken him had he fallen to four. I, I, well, I guess we'll never know. That, that's such an interesting question. Who would we have taken if Mobley and Barnes were both available? I mean, I'm completely happy with, with Scotty Barnes. Um, he, he, I'm sure everyone saw his stat line today. Just unbelievable. But again, getting ahead of ourselves. All right. Okay. Well then let's, let's actually move into this game today. The loss against the Nets. Great first half by the Raptors. It was so exciting. It was so fun. Play of the game right at the end of the second quarter. KD goes to drive past OG. Scotty Barnes rips the ball to Katie's hands to run away for a completely uncontested reverse slam dunk. It was so awesome. They ended the first, the first half on such a high note and then had an absolutely garbage second half. So what were your thoughts other than garbage second half? Well, I was very surprised to see an actual foul call on James Harden in the first quarter because it seems like he probably has some streak of like 500 games where he doesn't get a, a foul until the fourth quarter. I'm just making that up, but he clearly gets the benefit of the star call. That being said, um, it, this is certainly the, the change in the NBA rules has certainly affected him but he, because he went from averaging 24 points a game last year to 17 this year with the changes in uh, the way that they're not calling uh, the, the baited fouls. Um, so the Raptors, they had very nice ball movement in the first uh, quarter and it was really nice to see Pascal step in and hit his first shot. He nailed a three. And then Scotty, a couple possessions after that, a gorgeous Euro step and then a step back jumper. Um, the Raptors, as Matt and Alvin pointed out, were getting really good looks, but two for nine from three, like almost at the end of the first quarter, uh, like struggling, our shooting struggles continue. Um, Precious had a really nice sequence where he um, missed a shot, but followed his own shot in and got the put back. And I, I did notice, I mean, he did hit a three, but I think he's being a little bit more cautious and not just chucking up a three at the beginning of the shot clock. Um, at, one, at one point, uh, OG went right at KD and hit a shot over him. That was lovely to see. Um, KD also played the entire quarter, the first quarter, as did the rest of the starting line, except uh, Joe Harris. Um, in the second, the Raptors were again playing quite well, but finding the open man, but could not put the ball in. Um, there were some communications issues on the defensive end. Um, there was one uh, particular play where Precious sort of got caught up, or I wouldn't say he was caught up in the screen. He just didn't um, take 
take his man and Joe Harris um, put up a three. So there was confusion over who was going to take him. Um, and one thing watching this game, I forgot how explosive Pascal is. Um, so, and then it's just amazing how much, how little space KD needs to get off a shot. Um, the Raptors were contending, contesting him well, but even Precious, you know, you give this guy 20 centimeters and he's going to stick it over you. Um, so in the third quarter, they started off, gave up a 9-0 run and again, just missed point blank shots. And it, it was starting to slip away at that point um, with four minutes left to go in the third. The Raptors had been outscored 21 to seven. Uh, Mihailuk and Banton came in, injected a little bit of energy, but in the end, they were outscored 35-17 in the quarter. In the fourth, the ball movement basically stopped. I think they had four assists in a quarter. Um, the, the Raptors did go on a little run at the end, what I call a, a, like a fake comeback, um, but 113-103. But the one thing I do... I did notice with a little bit of glee is that I'm pretty sure that Katie and James Harden didn't want to be on the floor with one minute left to go in a random game in November in Toronto. Those guys played big minutes. So, you know, we made them work for it and we didn't even really play that well. So next time. Yeah. Okay. So just, just let's hear your thoughts on some, something. So first of all, with the, um, with the return of Pascal Siakam, there had been a ton of at least Twitter talk about who would be in the starting lineup when he, when he came back in or who would re be removed from the starting lineup. Would it be Precious uh, or would it be Scotty or would it be Gary Trent Jr.? So as we know now, at least this time around, uh, Siakam came in, came in replacing, replacing Precious um, and in the center, center role. So what do you think of that starting lineup? Well, I mean, we missed Ken Birch significantly tonight. That that made a big difference. But aside from that, this is Masai's vision. A lot of these guys, I don't want to say interchangeable, but you know, long, long arms, long wingspan. Um, I I think that the matchups are probably more important than who starts. Um, I'll be glad when Ken Birch is back though, because yeah, we missed him today. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm not stuck on starting lineup. What's I'm guessing you have a thought on that. Um, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that these five are clearly the most talented five on the Raptors. And so if you're, if you're just starting your starting lineup based on the most talented, this is the starting lineup. I would not want to take out any one of them. Um, but I can understand that there might be certain situations or certain games where a size matchup really is important. And in that case, I don't know, maybe, maybe Gary or Scotty is taken off. Uh, it comes off the bench. I'm not sure. But anyway, I do think that this was inevitable. I, I don't know how, like, like I said earlier, Gary Trent Jr. made his case. He's a starter. Um, Agreed. And I, I just don't see taking Scotty Barnes out of the starting lineup. I think he's too talented. 
did you see his stat line today? I mean, there weren't big numbers across the board, but he basically filled every box except for a block. I want to say he was eight, seven, three, and three, something, or eight, seven, five, and three. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Yeah. And uh, like eight points on only seven field goal attempts. I believe that's, that's accurate. He was in early foul trouble. So didn't get a ton of minutes in the second half. Personally, I think that Nick Nurse waited too long to bring him back into the game. Um, he wasn't put back into the game till f- with he had four fouls and was not put back in the fourth quarter until the four minute mark. And at that point, the game was already over. So uh, I don't know. I, one one pattern I've noticed is that Scotty has awesome first halves, and then nothing is done for him or run for him in the second half. And so. I'm, I wonder about that. I can't, I'd have to ask somebody who knows more than me, whether the other team's making just adjustments. So that's why he's not seeing the ball as much or not taking as many field goal attempts in the second half, but it just seems strange to me. You're right. But there was, I do remember one game. I can't remember. I want to say it was an Indiana game and he was quiet the whole game and then kind of came alive at the end of the third and the fourth, but yeah. um, Yeah. That was, that was a rough game to watch. I know. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> I might be a bit better about it, but okay. Um, so let's kind of segue into a different conversation right now. Obviously, it is Pascal Siakam's first game back only. Um, and he played 25 minutes, had 15 points, four rebounds, a couple of blocks. And uh, yeah, so Allison he's taken a lot of online meetings <laughs> over the last couple of years. Uh, what do you, what do you think would be a great outcome for him this year? Well, I think, you know, a simple thing would be all-star, but kind of my immediate thought was, you know, something like 20 points, eight rebounds, five assists a game. But then the more I thought about it, my ideas are more like qualitative as opposed to numbers and just the tone. If he can get what he wants on the offense, that would be a success. And if he continue, can continue to make the pass or find a cutter in double team situations, that should be less frequent given that our three balls eventually going to start to fall. And when it does, he's surrounded by competent three-point shooters like Fred, OG, Gary Trent, Spee, and Malachi. Um, another sort of benchmark for him would be, you know, those clutch shots that he missed last year. End of game, I want to say there was one in Portland. Uh, I think there was one in Phoenix, maybe one in Golden State. Um, if he can like hit half of those. I mean, those are immensely difficult shots. That's going to give him a confidence boost. If he can continue playing his excellent style of defense, just mobile, hustling. And then the last thing you kind of alluded to, just with the vitriol that he got um, last year and the year before, if he can play with the joy and the exuberance that we saw him in the championship year, and maybe that's not possible, just given what he went through with the fan base and how unrealistic and just mean spirited some of the fans were, um, maybe that wrecked something in him. I don't know, 
But my idea of what constitutes success isn't just like absolute numbers. It's more the look, like how his game looks. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so for me, I, I think I know what you mean by the qualitative, qualitative side. So one, one thing I saw early on today was um, there was a there was a maybe James Harden-esque moment from Siakam where he went in uh, looking for a foul, um, didn't finish at the rim, was looking for the foul instead. And, you know, it's his first game in this new season with the new refereeing and the new rules. But I was like, that's not going to fly. There's like, and I kind of think that could work for his advantage if he now knows, listen, that foul is not coming and you have to, you have to go up strong and you have to finish strong every time. Um, so I think what I'm looking, what I mean by that is I'm looking for a particular mindset on the finish and that the mindset is this ball is going in the net and that's the only outcome that I'm willing to accept. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think last year, like his confidence was definitely affected. And then, I mean, frankly, he played how many games with a shoulder injury that affected his shooting. So it was just, you know, a crisis of confidence. And then the injury, it was a perfect storm, a perfect storm of excrement for him last year. It was just really unfortunate. So yeah, confidence is, I, I think that's a big part of his game. And if he can get that back, that's... Well like I don't actually have it as confidence I don't think that's what I'm speaking about um I think he's a confident player right he's a he's a champion I'm not worried about his confidence I'm talking just about um like maybe killer instinct isn't quite the right word but like really that his only goal is that the ball goes in the basket that's it and like it's, it's I guess it's just that determination or that one track mindedness of that's it it's like oh gee I don't shoot to miss when you explain it that way I yeah. think of Kawhi exactly like the only reason I shoot the ball is so it goes in the net and that's it and I feel like if he took on that mentality that would be really cool to, that'd be really amazing to witness OG has it Fred has it um except sometimes on the drive <laughs> but you know Fred can be clutch in his shooting OG OG to me is the most clutch person on this team Gary Trent is the most sniper on this team. And so for Siakam, I think if he's going to continue to be someone who's getting a ton of shots, his only goal every time, ball in the basket. And that's it. It's the only thing I'm going to accept from, from my shot, my shooting. Obviously, it's not always going to happen. I get that. It's just the mentality of it. I wonder if you can learn that. Can you coach that? Like... I think you can. Like they have I, sports I psychologists, can. right? They have a psychologist that works with them, like Absolutely. all that guided imagery and all that stuff. Like, yeah. I think that, you would, can. Be, that would be good to see. I, I hope he gets there. I, I really fervently hope for, for an excellent season for him. I, he's one of my favorites. All right. Okay, great. So we've got, we've got our thoughts on this. Uh, okay. Let's move into our King of the North and Court Jester of the Week segments. Just for any new listeners, our King of the North segment go is uh, our King of the North award, I should say, goes to the Raptor player, executive, coach that we think deserves to be acknowledged for their awesomeness this week. And the Court Jester goes to somebody who was either not performing well or did something funny 
and we just want to laugh about it. So Allison, who is your King of the North for this week? I went with Fred and this is a very nice segue because you um, alluded to his drives into the paint, like completely contested and he's used exercising his better judgment. Um, He had a great week. Um, There was one half of ball where he was just in absolute command of the offense. He ran the floor like a floor general. He took his shots in the flow of the offense and he's really maturing into uh, a point guard in the league. And again, and I'll, I'll be frank, I, I completely saw him before as a shooting guard in a point guard body. But this week, he's had an excellent command of his role. So for me, he's king of the north. Now, I'm curious who you chose. Well, hold on. I have to comment on that because that's actually a really huge kudos from you. Well, it, it, it is, um, but I'm, I'm not blinded by my, my bias, I don't think. So he had a very good week and he was good today. I just, the second half, but I mean, nobody was good in the second half, but yeah, he's, he's come a long way. Okay. I, I do agree with you. I think that we're seeing a, a marked and deliberate improvement in the area of him being the floor general. And, you know, we give everybody, everyone else on the team has a growth window or, or something they're working on for the season and something that they worked on in the off, off season. And, and you actually get to watch that growth. And it's no different for Fred to, to say that you would expect him to stay the same as last year. That's not going to happen. You know, he worked on something over the summer um, and to predict that he wouldn't get better as the season, season goes on also just is not going to be the case. So um, yeah, I think we absolutely are witnessing um, Fred's growth as the point guard of this team. And that's been great. So uh, a good choice. Uh, my choice, I have a king of the north and then I also have an honorable mention because I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> But I gave my king of the north to OG Ananobi this week, breakout week. And I think he absolutely showed exactly what his potential is and um, some of the shots that he's making some of the shots he's choosing they are such difficult shots and he's nailing them so for me OG is an absolute superstar king of the north love that guy it was it was a great week for him that's that's an equally good choice as well well thank you (laughs) my honorable mention goes to Gary Trent Jr. For his defensive efforts and as I mentioned before just playing himself into a starting role and just like there's no reason he he hasn't given given Nick Nurse one reason to take him out of that role he's he's, he's earned it and as long as he can continue to get his shots yeah I, I think we're gonna see his maturation um like on both sides of the ball this year I'm I'm excited for his development me too. All right. Who is your court jester this week? Well, I, I had to go with Scotty Barnes for um, taking uh, Jared Allen and throwing him over his shoulder um, in a move that was kind of reminiscent of OG um, throwing Dennis Schroeder to the ground um, last year. So it was kind of, kind of a sweet WWE move. So yeah, I had to go with that. He's clearly amazingly strong to be able to do that that looked effortless yeah okay so anyone that didn't see it uh it was uh 
uh, re rebound. Uh, Scotty gets the rebounder. I guess there's two hands. Jared Allen's got his hands on the ball as well. And Scotty just rips it from him. But in the, as he's ripping it from Jared Allen, he takes Jared Allen over his shoulder and like he flipped him onto the ground <laughs> like it was nothing. <laughs> It was, he did, Jared Allen looked like a featherweight. I, that was, if you, anyone hasn't seen it, try to go back and find it because that was remarkable. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a great choice. Thank you so much for choosing that one. I kind of forgot and it was so funny. It was good. Yeah. It was fun. It. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, I, I didn't pick a funny moment. I just picked a player that mm. I don't think was doing great. So I picked I, Precious and- oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a really specific reason why instead of just like generally not playing great. And maybe it's just specifically in contrast to Kim, but I really would like Precious to learn how to set screens better. Really. Like he doesn't know how to set them in a way that's effective. Um, and is, yeah, anyway, that's all. I have to digress for a moment. Speaking of screens, just to illustrate, there was... A Svima Halek came off a screen and the way he curled around it, it was so elegant and just got his shot off. I forget what game it was. It just, it was a thing of beauty. He missed the shot, but, and that's to me, the thing that, um, who was our three point guy last year? Oh, Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas was never able to clear a screen, but the way Svima Halek did it, it was just, it was beautiful. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, and I mean, screens are used on offense for a reason right they're they're really effective they're ways for guys to get space get the shot off be able to set up the or like get your defense out of rotation so that you can actually move the ball around or cut and get open and so when you have an effective screen setter it makes a huge difference for your offense so it's just something i'd like to see precious develop he's a big body he should be able to and i mean ken birch sets good screens i know like very good we did miss him today I know he was very solid. Okay, Allison, we're moving. I'm so nervous. We're, <laughs> I'm usually the one asking all the questions. And now I'm sitting here like, oh, you're going to ask me a bunch. So I'm ready. What do you got? Okay. So for our listeners, for some, anyone who didn't listen in last week, uh, Sarah threw some rapid fire questions at me, just kind of fun, random, some serious questions. So I thought I would reciprocate today. So at any point, if you want to take a minute to think about it, I will move on to the next question. Oh, thank you. So starting, uh, thinking back to the early days of the pandemic, who is the NBA player you'd most like to be quarantined with and the least? Oh, wow. Most like to be quarantined with. Uh, okay. So oh, this is interesting. I can give you a, an easy one and then you can ruminate on that for a moment. Sure. What's Scotty's favorite protein, fish or chicken? Wait, wait, wait. Do we have a real answer or am I just guessing? No, no. Oh, You're fish just, or chicken? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chicken. And uh, indulgence, ice cream or pastry? Pastry. I don't know why, but I'm just guessing he's lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? It came from nowhere. He probably isn't, but I was just thinking about Okay, so you can go back to the first question at any point, but I'll- Okay, I'll... I'm just, I'm just going to go with 
who I think would be the most fun to hang out with would be Serge Ibaka. Oh, that's a really good choice. Yeah. And unless he was going to cook me some weird stuff and then he would be the person I would not want to be quarantined with. (laughs) So can he be both my answers? Uh, Yeah, that works. Okay. So, um, Aside from OG, who is the next most likely Raptor to push the fashion envelope? Oh, uh, aside from OG. Well, did you see what Scotty was wearing on Halloween? All of his courtside clothes and his two injured games? I did not. Oh, well, on Halloween, he was wearing these black pants with like silver skeleton bones on the front and back. And it was like sequined and just, anyway, it was, it was very, it was very in the spirit of Halloween. Uh, and I think he was wearing some green, like lime green jumper for the Washington game. Yeah. Uh, go, go with Scotty. I think I'm going to go with Scotty. I mean, like, I don't know if I like particularly loved what he was wearing, but in terms of pushing an envelope. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I'm going to go with Gary Trent, but this he, is, was, this, he was on my mind as well. This is all about you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Okay. So Kawhi um, infamously drove a 20 year old Chevy Tahoe while he was making 16 million a year. Can you think of another player who has zero F's to give about what people think? Like, Oh man, it's interesting example. Okay. Let me move on then. Uh Um, How about the biggest surprise in the NBA this year? Biggest surprise in the NBA. Um, I think I'm the biggest surprise for me is the way that the games are being called and the physicality and like the non-calls. Didn't see that coming. I have to say I mostly love it. Um, it's just it just makes the games more fun. I think. Uh, but yeah, like especially seeing the number of times tonight James Harden didn't get a call where he might normally get them. Yeah. Side note, that Cleveland game was a little bit difficult though with the foul disparity, like two to one, basically. That yeah. Was tough. Yeah. Um, another surprise for me, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I kind of am, is the competitiveness of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. And some of the, some of the teams that are um, ranked higher than you might expect. I actually think that, you know, the, gosh, the NBA has the best players in the whole world. So of course it's competitive, but this year feels really competitive. It, it is. And I, I think um, they mentioned today that some of the top teams in the league are from the East this year. So, I mean, there's that age old question, right? Who, which is the strongest conference, the East or the West, and it's been the West for all these years, but maybe we're, we'll finally have parity. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. Adam Silver, boxers or briefs? never thought about it but i'm gonna go with briefs (laughs) okay favorite non-raptors coach uh because he's a he's a raptors fan (laughs) yeah yeah okay uh does milwaukee repeat no i'm betting on miami yeah they they look terrible against boston yesterday who miami yeah. Well, I mean, everyone has an off game. That's fine. Yeah. Like yeah. you yeah. can't judge just like, like there's always the outlier games, but uh, I guess I'm, 
Oh, that's a really good question because of course there's Giannis, but yeah, I actually have my money on Miami. Not that I gamble, but if I did, that's what I'd choose. Okay, Jack or Alvin? I love Alvin. I, I think he's been such an awesome addition this year. Okay, keeping on the media um, angle, do Kate Burness and OG have a mutual attraction thing going on? Oh, that is a fun question. I think they just like secretly both think that the other person rocks. Actually, they don't, they openly think the other person rocks, but I don't, I don't think they're like into each other. I think they just have like deep, like, yeah, respect. That's cool. Yeah. Do you okay. think they mutually have a mutual attraction? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought that a couple of times, but oh, anyway, this is all about you. Okay. Sarah, given that we're both nature people, who is the Toronto Raptor most likely to be seen in the wilderness? Uh, I'm going to go with Delano. Hmm. Delano Good Band. one. Yeah. Okay. Raptor most likely to be spotted at the mall. Um, also Delano Ben. Hmm. Who did you, who do you think? Um, in the wilderness you know what I always used to think Norm Powell because he was obviously kind of open to everything right yeah but given that he's not a raptor anymore who would I hmm, that's that's a hard question who do you think would be in a mall uh Gary Trent all right <laughs> <laughs> he'd be at the high-end mall I'm sure yeah okay so do you have um a Boston Celtics voodoo doll in your freezer with pins stuck in it I don't need one. They're already <laughs> suffering. <laughs> oh, they are, aren't they? Okay. Um, should OG grow a beard? No. Is Masai Ujiri the greatest team executive in Canadian sports history? Yes. Oh, that's, oh, and here's one more. This, this is kind of like, maybe put you on the spot. Can what is the worst or the dirtiest punk move that you've ever seen in the NBA? Like just dirty, cheap shot. Like I, I thought of something, but I kind of have recency bias, so I, I'm curious. And I'm from the era of Malice in the Palace, although I didn't watch that documentary when it um, recently came out. But um, can you think of anything? Anything come to mind? Well, the only thing that's coming to my mind, I actually thought was very funny, and wouldn't have necessarily called it a dirty or cheap shot but I did think it was really really funny when Kyle Lowry stuck his butt into someone and like flipped him over his back <laughs> <laughs> that was funny I, I think I was thinking of Pat Beverly shoving Chris Paul in the back like th remember oh. last year in, in the finals that was just a dirty punk move yeah but yeah no I can't think of anything that's like really dirty punk move but I, I did think that was like a funny non-NBA move <laughs> okay well Sarah you are very composed and you got through that like very very well with some excellent answers so I'm gonna throw it back to you here okay well thank you that was a that was a fun game I think the only one I didn't answer is the player that I think doesn't care about what people think of him I don't have a good answer who do you have you, I think Damian Lillard kind of doesn't care what people think of him. Interesting. Why do you think that? Well, he'd made comments before about how he, well, there was an interesting story about um, he and LeBron getting together for dinner. And Le it sounds like LeBron kind of 
um, you know, gave him the pitch to come to LA. I, I don't know. He'd made comments before about staying. He wanted to be in a small market um, city. Um, he just seems like a loyal guy. I didn't, I, yeah, it's just my impression of him. I don't know. Okay, cool. Well, thanks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The fun game. All right. Well then let's look at the week ahead. So, uh, Raptors have a little bit of, I guess I don't know if it's an easier schedule, but they've played so many games in the last two weeks. This upcoming week, they've got three games only that are, that are played. Um, Wednesday against the Celtics, followed by on Thursday with the back-to-back, -back, uh, the 76ers, and then finishing off the week's games with the Pistons on Saturday. So, Boston, mm. Philly, Detroit. What are your predictions? Predictions. Oh, boy. Well, when I predicted the win last week um, against Brooklyn, I think I was thinking back to the game that they went into Brooklyn last year and took it from them. So I just don't see us repeating against Boston. So I called that an L. Um, I called the Philly game an L, but I called the Detroit game a win. But the caveat to all of this is 4-0 on the road. And there are three teams that are undefeated on the road. Golden State is one of them. They're at three and zero. We're of course at four and zero. Minnesota's at one and zero. So they've only played one game on the road. But again, um, yeah, I, 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 we're about due to win one in Detroit. Uh, I think it's been a while since we've won in Detroit. So, what's who are you picking? Well, we actually picking? play. We actually play at home against Detroit. Oh. We're, we're away against Boston, away against Philly, and then at home against the Pistons. So does that oh, change right. your answer? We hit the road after that, right? I think Portland's the game after that. We must be going west then. Yes, that's right. Oh, man, I don't know. Like, there's all kinds of, it seems like there's all kinds of emotional freight when Dwayne Casey comes to town. Let me think on that for a minute. I'm going to say L against Boston, L against Philly, and I'm going to just hedge for a minute on the Detroit game while I think about it. What do you think? Okay. I think we'll win against the Celtics, actually. actually. Uh-huh, we will. So hope you're right. That would be I mean, so sweet. Okay. I mean, like, they, they are going to be out to revenge that epic loss against us from earlier this season. Um, so there is that. But um yeah i'm gonna call a win there celtics fans are imploding like there is so much angst in that fan base right now it's crazy fire yeah. the coach like it's we think we're insecure oh boy yeah <laughs> um all right so yeah celtics i think a win the 76ers man they're like their offense is just amazing i don't know who's gonna match up against joel Embiid. nobody i know um but isn't it crazy to see them winning without Ben Simmons? I wonder what he's thinking. Isn't it like, not crazy? Anyway, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the loss against the 76ers. Um, now that Siakam's back, you remember last week I said I wouldn't predict more than 50% until he returned. I still think this week is an integration week. So <laughs> um, the Pistons, I actually think we'll win against the Pistons. So I guess I am predicting more than 50%. I'm going a 2-1 week with the oh. loss coming against the 76ers. I agree about the integration because that always changes the chemistry, especially even, 
you know, Scotty coming back from the two games with a thumb, but these guys haven't played with Pascal at all. So I think that was a part of what went off the rails today, just their lack of familiarity with playing with Pascal. So yeah, I agree. That's definitely a thing. So now that I've had a chance to think about it, we definitely owe Detroit. Um, and I'm not even looking at their record. We've had a lot of trouble with um, Sadiq Bay. He is something else. Um, and we'll get our first look at Kate Cunningham. So yeah, um, I guess I'll call that a W. So I'm going uh, one and two, like one win, two losses. So you're going two and one, right? Yeah. Well, it's ever this way. <laughs> Actually, we wait, we were in agreement last week, right? We, we both, both predicted said two, two. Yeah. But I got the games completely wrong. Did you? I think I did. I said uh, we were going to beat uh, Brooklyn and beat Cleveland. Oh, you did get them completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said we'd beat Washington, which we did, and that we'd beat Cleveland, which we didn't. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we will find out next week which of us is right, if in fact either of us are right. And yeah, we'll get hopefully, to yeah. hopefully we're both wrong and they go three and oh. I know that would that would be remarkable. <laughs> that a different tone from last year. I know that it's was, from this year. That was a joyless year. When I look back on that, just utterly joyless. Yeah. Like to have the Raptors back in in Canada it can't be overstated how important that is I 100% agree notwithstanding the second half of today's game which was yes. garbage the Raptors are so much fun to watch this year and my heart is happy mine too this is awesome yeah okay well I hope to all you listeners I hope your hearts are also happy whether Raptors related or not and we'll see you all next week and in the meantime stay Raptors fans we the North. Bye.